to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. Uh, for my pick this week, I picked Talk to Me, directed by Danny and Michael Filippo. Filippo? I'm not sure. And I picked They Clone Tyrone, directed by Jewel Taylor. Uh, for both of these movies, we will do non-spoilers and then spoilers. Uh, time codes for all of this will be down in the description below. Let's get into it. You busy tonight? You want to turn, eh? My mum leaves at nine. So you're at ten. <laughs> all right. Yeah, for my pick this week, I picked the 2022 Talk to Me, directed by Danny Filippo and Michael Filippo. Um, they are originally YouTubers. This is their directorial debut. Um, it stars Sophie Wilde, Alexandra Jensen, and Joe Bird. And yeah, it's... It's an A24 horror. It was released in um, the festival circuit in 2022. Is now in its wide release here in 2023. Um, it's fine. <laughs> um, I was really excited for it because it was like A24 is one of the only like film company things that are paying people right now during the strike so they were able to do a lot of advertising for this and marketing for this um and so i i was really excited about it and it did not live up to my expectations i feel like all of the actual scary parts were revealed in the trailers um which were just so mass marketed that like by the time i got to the movie i was like oh i've seen this already and all the not scary parts were gross. <laughs> yeah. It's very... It's almost... There is a psychological component to the horror of this movie. And so I think a lot of people, if this, if it does hit that part of you, this could be a very scary movie. I know a lot of people think it's absolutely terrifying. It didn't connect with either of us, really. I will say it did have an overall feeling of like dread. dread and like I was like tense the whole time because I was waiting for something scary to happen but then nothing really did and I'm like a very big horror movie person like before me and Everett got together I've said this before almost everything I watched was scary movies I'd either watch tv shows or scary movies and no other kinds of movies really um unless other people like ask me to. So I I have very high standards for scary movies and this just like the scares weren't there for me. Yeah. And I think a lot for me what made me tense and uncomfortable or whatever and even shield my eyes a little bit is the gore. There's a lot of not a lot, but there's a fair bit of gore in this. And it's the type of gore kind of like with Evil Dead Rise. They just looked at a situation and goes and go, hmm, what's the goriest thing we can do right now? As opposed to what's a more like character motivated piece of gore. I disagree. I think there's only one gory scene really in the whole f movie. Like there's a little bit of gore elsewhere, but there's only one major gory scene. And in my opinion, I feel like they looked at Hereditary, which is, like, their most successful scary movie, and went, hmm, head trauma works, and applied that to this one, where it just was kind of, like, yeah, it was relevant to the plot, but it was just kind of like, okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. I I think if you look at movies like a uh, Hereditary or um I don't know, what's another uh, Bones and All is technically a horror movie. Stuff like that, the gore in that feels motivated and intentional. Whereas this, I think there were many other ways to do these scenes that would have been just as effective. Well, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. it's like they just looked at that and was like, oh, yeah. people talked about this forever. Let's just throw that in here. Yeah. And so if you're going to make me squeamish and not, I don't like gore and have it be just one that you picked because you thought it would be cool or was popular it's not as impactful as the correct gore at the right moment um but again a lot of people just go to horror movies for gore in general and this does have some yeah but it's like also not gory like not a slasher yeah it's not like the evil dead rise where it's like all gore so it's just like it doesn't really hit for any I mean, I guess it does hit for audiences because it has a very high Rotten Tomatoes score. But for us, it was just like, okay. Yeah. And with this one, like in our on our social media and stuff, the comments were very mixed. Some people were like, yeah, I completely agree with you guys. This wasn't all that scary. It was whatever. And some people were like, you're crazy. This is the scariest thing I've ever seen. So I think it's very personal yeah. based. And I think that's fair enough because the story, it does have characters and like, you know, it's not just we're throwing random people of a generic archetype into a scenario. It takes its time to get to know who it is around the story and who's central to it. Um, I found it didn't quite deliver on those characters with any solid payoff in the third act. But the first two acts do a great job of setting them up and delving into them personally. So you're kind of connected to them. Uh, yeah. And so, again, if you connect with these characters, this could be a much more effective film for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Him and I were talking about it in the way that I think it was like the movie Men in the first two thirds where it's like it was well set up and it could have been something really good. Minus the weird dog scene. I'm not going to talk about it till spoilers, but. It was weird and unnecessary. But anyways, um, like with that overall feeling of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh no. Um, and it wasn't quite as intense of that feeling as men was. But I feel like it was the same kind of thing where in the third act, it just didn't deliver the way it could have to complete the story. Yeah. Um, and you said you're not going to mention the dog thing. I'm not going to well, you. I'm not going to talk about it till the spoilers. Yeah, I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but if you have issue at all with the way animals are used in Hollywood, the animal is not directly abused in the sense that it's hurt or like they, you know, throw a live dog off a building or someone kicks it really hard and it's actually getting hit. I think it gets hit with a pillow at one point almost. Maybe. Anyway, but like they don't physically harm the animal but there is a moment that crossed a line for me and me and for a lot of people from what i've seen that just i don't know why it's almost played like it's supposed to be kind of funny horror it's not funny it's cruel to the animal yeah it's just gross and unnecessary um 
Yeah, because our issue, it sexualizes a dog. And I think that that is gross. And we think that that should be considered abuse for the animal for what it's used for. And like, you can argue like, no, they didn't really do anything that hurt the dog. But using the dog in that scene just seemed so wildly unnecessary and gross. Yeah, I I, I don't enjoy watching it. And honestly, again... It's another one of those movies that I would be much more positive except for one moment that ruins pretty much the entire film. Um, Oppenheimer, kind of similar last week. The unnecessary nudity is one of the biggest reasons I won't ever watch that movie again, probably. With this movie, you take this one 15-second scene out of the film and... I'm not like, you know, its biggest fan, but I'd be like, yeah, it was a solid, well-made movie. But this one moment makes it so I never want to watch it again. Yeah. And people could be like, well, you could just skip that scene. But it's like, I don't, if I'm watching a movie, I don't want to have to remember, okay, this is the moment, get taken out of the movie, grab my remote, remember to skip ahead. But also the fact that the directors included it in the scene for me makes me not appreciate anything else they do because that's gross and they didn't need to do it yeah so yeah we can move into spoilers now all right moving into spoilers for talk to me um this movie follows a girl whose mother had recently passed away um in two years ago yeah Yeah. but that's recent well yes it's her two-year anniversary for her mother's death and she wants to have her mind taken off of that um she's pretty unhappy living with her father because i don't know she says that he's not trying but it seems like in every scene he really is tries tries, (laughs) trying to get to she's she's a a very unlikable main character she's played very well but she is just the worst so she forces her friend who just wants to hang out with her boyfriend to go to this weird party thing that they always post about on like social media where they're getting possessed by a weird hand thing because she wants to see if it's real and she drags her poor friend and her poor friend's religious little boyfriend out to this little brother and little brother out to this party and yeah he's like 14 he's just a little baby out to this weird party where they're drinking and they're doing drugs and they're getting possessed by demons for funsies And they are treating this possession like a drug because apparently while you're in it, it feels really cool because you're like in the back seat of your own mind and whatever. Um, And nobody wants her there and she wasn't invited and no one likes her. And then she volunteers to do it and she does it and gets possessed. That's then. And then gets addicted. And then gets addicted to the being possessed situation. So she invites everyone over to her friend's house again and lies to her friend's mom, who's been very helpful to her and accepting of her during this whole time that she's been really sad and basically invited her into her own family and promises the mom that they're not going to have a party and then has a bunch of people over to do the weird hand possession thing again and the poor little religious boy makes out with a dog full tongue out it's very gross and he's like humping the air while he makes out with this dog and it's really gross and icky and unnecessary to the movie and then the 
older sister to the poor 14-year-old says he absolutely cannot do it because it is like a drug and also it's dangerous and there's demons. But the minute she leaves the room, the stupid other girl lets the kid get possessed by the demons and then he almost dies because he beats his face into oh, a yeah. pulp. He, so they also establish the demons will tell you anything and manipu- manipulate you however they can. The boy gets possessed and he starts talking to the girl. Oh, I, I'm your dead mother come to talk to you and then she's like oh no wait we let him keep going i want to talk to my mom I yeah and talk they're only to allowed to be possessed for a minute and a half otherwise the things will kill you basically yeah and then he's possessed for like ever because yeah. they never properly get rid of the demon and it's all her fault and i i will acknowledge there are probably people out there who will say this is a allegory or a you know a presentation of drug addiction you don't care who you hurt you don't care what you do but i feel the way she was portrayed by the directors and by the people around her the way they crafted the story is to be sympathetic and and she's a life-ruining little brat girl and she (laughs) is not there is never a moment in which she is forced to face her actions fully and when she finally does it's not a satisfying narrative conclusion to you've just ruined everyone around you's lives it is just a well we got to tie up the movie because we only have two minutes of runtime left yep so yeah she uh allows the boy to get possessed he beats his head to a pulp he breaks his sister's hand and then has to go to the hospital and is in recovery and then she shows up at the hospital and the mom's like bro uh you're not invited here you're not in our family and i hate you because you lied to me and allowed my son to almost die which is fair enough um And then she invites her best friend's boyfriend back to her house for a little sleepover and sucks on his toes, which is weird. And she's stolen the hand. Yeah. Or kept it because obviously the police have to come because the boy beat his face in. So the ambulance comes and the police are trying to figure out what happened. Um, And in the, not necessarily chaos because I think the guys who owned it originally let her take it or whatever. But like she can't see what this has done and she's so desperate to feel this out-of-body experience or talk to her mom again or whatever that she takes the hand and is continuing to use it yeah and she begs this poor guy who made out with a dog to do the hand again he says no but he'll still stay over so she's not alone and he's trying to be respectful of yes he shouldn't have stayed over but he's trying to be respectful of that relationship she's literally like begging him and stuff and he's like fine like i'll stay over just so that you don't yeah. kill yourself and they have a bit of some sort of relationship past there's even like in her room she still has carved into part of the wall he had carved like their initials and a heart Um, literally they held hands once like four years ago but she still brings it up all the time yeah she's clearly still very obsessed with him and fixated on him and he's like trying to be nice because they're still friends but i do wonder if we could see a window back two three years ago when they were apart and he probably got together with the friend if she the main girl and the friend weren't as close because she wasn't staying over there all the time. And so they ended up together, but then she needed somewhere to stay. And that's how she got back into his life. Yeah. But. And so, yeah, it's just like weird. And then she sucks on his toes and he's like, this is so inappropriate. I'm leaving. And then goes home. 
And then she continues to be psychotic and gets and possessed. <laughs> real quick, when so she gets possessed and that's why she sucks on his toes or whatever or has a dream that makes her think she is, whatever. Whatever reason, she does it not realizing she's done it. And again, this is where I feel like the scene was played like the boyfriend isn't acknowledging that she's being possessed and like dismissing her and that's why he's leaving and we should side with her because she's experiencing this trauma right now and she needs help. Yes, she needs help but not in a sympathetic way, in a lock her down, she is getting possessed by demons and out of control and needs an intervention. And she's choosing to be possessed by the demons. Because even after this, when she realizes that she's starting to go crazy, she still does the hand by herself to talk to her mom. And her mom's like, no, I never killed myself on purpose. I would never do that. Also, you should kill your best friend's brother because they're torturing him. Even though... Everyone has explained it as these demons will do whatever it takes to get someone to die. No matter what it is, they just want another soul to come with them. And she's still like, yeah, you're right. I will kill my best friend's brother. Yeah. And I think that's, again, where this drug comparison falls apart in that if she was just wanting to do this, and people were like, well, it makes us uncomfortable, it's a little creepy, you know, your eyes turn all black and your face looks deadly, like it's decaying or stuff while you're doing it. We, you know, someone got hurt, let's just stop. And she's chasing that high, but not actively doing this. But this, it goes too far because she has these lucid moments in between and refuses to acknowledge what she's doing. Yeah. And so it lacks that reality compare it goes too far without justifying the lengths it's going to to make that comparison to drugs i don't i don't think that if you do drugs one or two times you're suddenly going to murder people to get drugs you will probably steal you'll lie you know if you get addicted you will do terrible things but it takes much longer than a week for yeah. you and i don't think it did a good enough job establishing her need to do this to justify the length she goes to so quickly. Yeah. And so she stabs her dad in the neck. Apparently he doesn't die, even though it seems like he should. Um, and then she goes to the hospital to kill her friend's brother and kidnaps him in a wheelchair and is about to wheel him into traffic and then it kind of like cuts to black and shows back up at this car crash scene where instead she's the one who's laying in the road dead so we don't ever really know i think that either her friend should have pushed her into the road if she didn't because she's running forward trying to save her brother or they should have showed her changing her mind and jumping into the road to save the boy because she never has this moment of oh my god, it's my fault, I've ruined everyone's lives. And so it's like, kind of implying that she realized that and took her own life instead of killing the boy. But at the same time, you never actually know because it doesn't show that moment. It's just all of a sudden she's dead in the road. And then she's back in the hospital and her dad is leaving the hospital and he's fine again. And the brother heals and the mom and the sister, yeah, the mom and her best friend are all leaving. And she's just stuck there. And then she sees a light in the distance and goes towards it and sees the hand and holds on to the hand. And now she's one of the ghost things. 
Um, and we don't know if it's the same hand or if it's the other hand or what's happening because it's just random people. And she just never has to have that moment of, I am dead now because of my own stupidity or I ruined everyone's lives kind of a thing. Yeah, I... I kind of, I almost want to like this movie more than I did, which is surprising because I don't like horror and I wasn't overly excited for this one. There's some great acting, there's some great visual sequences, but yeah, it just, it takes the easy road out in the end instead of going, okay, we made this horrible, unlikable main character, made her do all these terrible things, and now she has to face the music. It's like, no, we're just going to cut to black and then come back and she's somehow just jumped in front of the cars which feels also like being someone who's dealt with mental health and stuff like that like it just feels is that the correct answer is almost how it's played across like oh yeah if you're doing terrible things to your friends and family just jump in front of a car it'll end the movie it makes it all stop yeah like that's the kind of feeling it comes across as and i'm fairly confident that is not the intention (laughs) i would hope that is not the intention but that did not sit well for me either yeah and it's like if you're gonna do a scary movie just do it a scary movie if you're gonna lean super heavy into the plot you need to have an actual conclusion to this plot yeah yeah it's it's almost like you know there's this new term not necessarily new but there's a lot of people call it like elevated horror are these horror movies that focus more on the characters than just the scares. I think it's kind of a dumb term, but whatever, you can think what you think about it. But that is, we're in an era where a lot of horror movies try and be this quote-unquote elevated horror and have a message and a theme and characters that develop and change as opposed to just stereotypes and slashing. I don't, I think this movie wanted to be like that, but didn't know how. Yeah. And so it ends up as neither. It's not an effective, just fun, silly slasher. It's not an effective drama that uses horror to push its characters to its limits. It just kind of falls in between. For me, it's almost exactly on par with that movie Ma, starring Octavia Spencer, I think it was, who that came out a little while ago, that I feel like basically ended her career because she was like, nominated for awards and stuff and then she was in that movie and I have not seen her since and that was just not a good movie and they tried to do this as her being this sympathetic character that was bullied and now she's getting revenge on the people who bullied her but it just came across really icky and gross and she transfuses someone's blood with dog blood and that's just the kind of ick the same this movie gave me it's just like the main character was unlikable and never got this like redemption arc to be better yeah they never do anything to redeem their terrible actions they never do anything to accept or acknowledge that they had terrible actions other than commit suicide which i do not think is a good conclusion yeah i think either her friend should have had to be the one to push her in the road to save her brother or like I don't know, at the end when she's talking through the hand, it's someone that she knows and, like, or, like, the, yeah, I don't know, something. I think, literally just came to me, so this may be nothing, but (laughs) a possible better conclusion is instead of just cutting to black and then we come back and she's in the road, have it be she's about to push the brother in, then she just realizes what she's doing and she's going to jump in and her friend 
acknowledges and goes, hey, like, look, don't do this. This isn't the answer. You've done horrible things, blah, blah, blah. Like, but we still, I don't want you to die because of this, even though you're doing all these horrible, and like, give her that moment of humanity. And then if she still chooses to jump, it's a story of like, if you've done all these in addiction and whatever, it can be too much. And that's a bit more of like a, that's a story that plays out in the real world and is tragic and terrible. And then I would be like, man, like if someone, maybe if her friend had been meaner to her earlier in the movie, which she was a little obnoxious at times, like I could see a bit more of this story playing out or she talks her friend off that ledge. And it's like, a you know, if you have people around you who love you, there's always a lifeline there for you can be the message, which isn't very horror. So they probably go the other route, but like, Still, yeah, it would give them a moment. Yeah, and it's like to conclude this movie as opposed to a cutting to black concludes the movie. Yeah, and for some reason they're drawing all these parallels with this kangaroo in the ro- there in Australia. Um, <laughs> this kangaroo at the beginning they found in the road and it's like dying in the middle of the road and she doesn't have the strength to put it out of its misery and then she realizes that with the brother she has to put him out of his misery because he's being tortured by these spirits or whatever but then instead she dies i think either she needs to be tortured by the spirits or something else needs to happen with her because it's like why are you drawing all these parallels with this kangaroo for it to just be she dies in the road. Yeah, so again, that feels almost like she didn't have the strength then. Now she does have the strength to end the suffering in herself. Bad message. Yeah. Or she should go and swap places with the brother and become the one who's tortured so that she goes, I recognize all these horrible things I've done. I went too far. I'm so sorry. Your brother doesn't deserve this. I brought this on him. I'm going to jump in front of these cars and die because then the demons will take me. Yeah. And then if it, like, shows her tortured, and then if they want to have that moment where she grabs the hand at the end, it's her friend finally coming back to forgive her because she saved the brother or something, you know? And then it's, like, a full circle finished out story. Yeah, because she's used the hand to go see the torture scene of the brother. Yeah. So you could have her being tortured. You see the friend, you see the light in the distance getting closer, and it's the hand or whatever, and it's her friend looking and seeing her being tortured and reaching out for her or something. Yeah. Could be an effective conclusion because then it's not i'm killing myself to make things easier because that's the easiest solution it's It's, i had to end my life to save someone else's because i'm the one who put them there yeah (laughs) i don't know it's just (laughs) there were so many other directions they could have gone and it just seemed like a disappointment to me and all of the comments that i see on the internet was wow what an ending and it's like that was the most predictable boring ending they could have picked i don't know it was uh, just, it did not hit yeah. for us. I'll stop hating on this movie now, but, What you would know. you give it out of 10? Uh, with the gross dog scene, like a four. Without the gross dog scene, maybe a six. Yeah, I would say with the gross dog scene and thinking more about this ending, I'm going to give it a three. Fair. Because I do think it has some potentially harmful <laughs> messaging if interpreted the wrong way. Um, if you take out just the dog scene, I'd go up to maybe a four or a five. Yeah. But I don't think I can go above that. So, would not recommend. There you go. Moving on. You know the drill? Say, talk to me. Talk to me. All right, my pick for this week is They Clone Tyrone, the new Netflix movie. Uh, It's directed by Jewel Taylor. 
uh, and I believe this is their directorial debut. I may be wrong. They may have done something else. And it is starring uh, John Boyega in the lead role with Jamie Foxx and Tayana Paris as the lead sidekick side character people. Um, it is a goofy, silly, very poignant, weirdly sci-fi movie. Um, and particularly want to shout out John Boyega's performance. I thought he was fantastic in this movie. Um, and yeah, Tayana Paris and Jamie Foxx have a really great fun dynamic, but I don't think, I think they could almost verge on annoying if not for John Boyega in this movie. Uh, he plays Fontaine, um, and it's, it's really good. It's in like the, what would you say, mid-2000s? Yeah. Um, and he's like a, a drug dealer in a town, um, and Jamie Foxx plays a pimp, and Tayana Paris is one of his hookers. hookers um, and they get wrapped up in a world that they don't fully understand and are trying to play spy almost. I think for Tayana Paris, this is just like fun, goofy until it gets too serious and then she takes it the most seriously. For Fontaine, uh, John Boyega's character, there's some personal motivations I don't want to go into because I think going to this movie blind is better. Uh, and then for Jamie Foxx, he's just kind of like, well, I can't not go i can't just leave you guys alone so i'll i guess i'll be there um and i loved it i had yeah. a great time yeah it was good i loved the visual aesthetic it's very grainy film grain look which normally i actually don't love but i don't know what it was with the fog and the bright lights it's just it's a beautifully shot movie um i thought it looked normal <laughs> I disagree. It's uh, Ken Sang who does the um, cinematography on this. And uh, he's known for like working on Deadpool and stuff, which look wildly different from this movie. But uh, yeah, it's it's stunning for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't... He's very into the aesthetic. I thought it looked like any other like 90s, 2000s movie would look. I think it looks like any other 90s... 2000s movies would look but it's made today and so it has a more a modern hand behind it the types of shots they're doing the way the lighting works is not what you would have traditionally seen it's not as i i don't know quite how to describe it i was not a cinematographer but like the the softness of all the lights is much more modern than older lights always tended to be a little more harsh. If you look back, you know, people have harder lines across their faces and whatever. This movie is much softer than that, and I really liked that look. I don't okay. really know how to describe it better. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's very well acted on all parts, I would say. It's very funny. Um, but also gets across a very good message, a few messages really, that are, that's, it's just very good. It was very entertaining the whole way through. Um, I know it was only two hours for me. It was a little long just because we paused it like halfway through and I thought we were almost to the end and we were not even close. So for me, it seemed a little long, but 
Um, I don't know how you would cut it down any shorter than that. Yeah. Um, for me, I like when we paused it, I thought we were further in, but then upon restart, we happened to pause it right about when it started getting more intrigue based and a little more how like the speed term, but picks like, up yeah um a little more it's one of its tags on netflix i believe was like cerebral or heady sci-fi or something and it starts getting more into what it's trying to say about the world as opposed to just and i don't love using those terms because it makes it sound like other movies aren't that but it does have something it's trying to say about the world we paused right before it starts really saying those things and so coming back in to it and again we only paused for like 30 seconds but we came back in and it, for me it was just an absolute blast all the way to the end but yeah i think that kind of covers our non-spoiler thoughts and we'll we'll head into spoilers all right spoilers for they clone tyrone um so it starts out and it's just he's a drug dealer um he goes and he hits a rival drug seller guy with his car because he's selling on his turf or whatever he then goes to collect his money from jamie fox this is john boyega john boyega goes to collect his money from jamie fox um and the guy the other rival drug dealer leader guy decides i'm sick of having fontaine around i'm gonna go shoot him so they kill him and he dies within the first 10 minutes of the movie and i it was pretty surprising and i was like what's gonna happen here but then he just wakes up and comes back and has no memory of having died and so he goes back and realizes he hasn't gotten his money from jamie fox so he's gonna go go get it from him and jamie fox is freaking out because a man he watched get shot like six times and die in his car is now here talking to him so they kind of get wrapped up in this and go to find who shot him and that leads them into this old abandoned house with a elevator in the back uh, and they go and Tayana Paris has joined them at this point and they go down the elevator and find this secret lab with um, and if you start to kind of look around the lab is uh, run by a light-skinned man with a very thick afro and as you start to notice all of the stores all of the restaurants the are gas run the gas station everything. everything's run by light-skinned people with afros um and uh so they're very confused at what's going on then jamie fox accidentally kills the man so they flee yeah he takes this like he thinks that this white drug is cocaine so he takes it and he starts laughing and then he gets a muscle spasm and shoots the lab the guy lab guy uh so then they go to the favorite chicken place of everyone in the glen which is the area they're in um and they start eating it and just start uncontrollably laughing and then all of a sudden jamie fox has this like lucid moment like wait i felt this before and he looks around and everyone in the restaurant and they have been since the scene started is just cracking up in the background and they're starting to get real freaked out and there's even a few moments earlier like a song plays on the radio and they all start yawning he's like oh this song always puts me to sleep and you don't really think anything of it but you slowly start to see their moods are being controlled in specific scenarios they found a secret lab with laughing cocaine stuff um so they go back to investigate and the house is empty or actually it's full but 
as if someone lives there. There's no more lab and stuff. Um, and they talk to this old guy outside the gas station, and he kind of knows a bit more of what's up. He has a clearer view of the world and steers them towards a church where everyone's drinking their grape juice during communion, which is also drugged and makes them all loud and spiritually full and whatever. Uh, but they find another entrance down below, and they go down, and there's all these experiments being conducted on the people of the Glen. Uh, and then they find a room, and there's just hundreds of clones, and there's like ten of them of Fontaine, and there's a whole bunch of other people and prominent figures like the pastor and whatever. And it's like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Um, and so they kind of continue blah 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 uh and basically in the end they lead a almost like revolution <laughs> down on the the people trying to mind control them um and fontaine meets original fontaine and fontaine meets original fontaine so it turns out his original self who's very old now is the lead geneticist on this experimental project and they're trying to figure out two things one a way to just control the masses because if everyone thinks the same then the world will be a happy place uh and two there's even behind him like six men going from very dark skin to completely white uh they are trying to breed everybody to be white people yeah and he's doing this because when he was younger his little brother uh was accused of stealing some candy and was shot by a police officer and they just left him there to die. He was shot in the lung and just slowly, painfully choked on his own blood. Yeah. And he was like, I don't want anyone else to have that happen to them again. So it's a very sad message of <laughs> like, if no one is a person of color, then no one is in danger. And also like... If we control everyone, then no one can get hurt. And it's just like, obviously, that's not the case. Like, that's not the way to handle these. Yeah. You know, issues in our very real world um, that play out. But yeah, you so. can understand the desire um, to do that. And so John Boyega shoots himself and because he disagrees and doesn't want to do not this. himself whoops sorry yes sorry shoots his old self yeah the version he's been cloned from um and that's essential and then they everyone escapes and all the clones appear up on the world and on the like streets and stuff and the news is reporting it and you go to these guys and you hear that they're doing this in a whole bunch of major cities across the u.s and you go to a room in l.a and the news sequence is playing out and they're seeing all these clones and these guys in this room are all like, whoa, this is so weird, so trippy, whatever. And then one of Fontaine's clones comes up to the camera and stuff and the, all the friends just slowly turn and look and the camera turns with them. And there is a guy named Tyrone played by John Boyega in and LA. Like, and they're like, wait. Ain't that you, Tyrone? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the end of the movie. Um, it's got a good message and an important story to tell. It does it in a very fun engaging way so what would you rate it i will give this one an 8 out of 10 yeah i'm around a 7.58 again like i know i've only 
pretty much said positives <laughs> about it. Um, I really, really enjoy it. I've recommended it to several people already. Um, but it's also, I don't know. I think it just, there is a little bit in that third act conclusion, not necessarily rushed, but Fontaine being the clone of the lead geneticist in that whole story, a little bit comes out of nowhere. There's a little reference to his brother a couple times throughout that has died and we don't really know why or what happened because yeah. he doesn't know because he's just a clone or whatever but the whole cloning and they i guess we should throw this out there as well they clone to uh key members in the society so like people like fontaine because he's a drug dealer will keep anyone from wanting to move into the area and gentrify it or anything um and so that's why they're cloning but again, like, it jumps from that to finding out the Legionesis guy is trying to breed out African Americans. That yeah. just, it does come a little out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I'll agree with that. I was kind of just like, okay. And then it's over so fast. Like, for him being the main villain in this story, it's he has literally. One conversation. Yeah, it's maybe like a five minute scene and then it's over. Um, that's kind of where my less than stellar review would come from yeah and so again it's not that it's bad it's just i think they could have maybe sped some stuff up a little earlier so that you could have a little more time to explain these or take some moments earlier and really start to put your message in so that when this moment happens you're like oh yeah that makes more sense i've seen this happening like maybe um, every time Fontaine comes back he's a little bit lighter in skin tone or something but again how do you do that without yeah. painting someone's skin which is always a gray area to go into yeah or like but, every time he's having those like dreams and flashbacks before he wakes up if it showed his brother yeah and like that was the one thing like haunting him this whole time I feel like that would make a little more sense on why it was such so much of a devastating obviously it's devastating if your brother gets killed but like showing it we didn't it, I know that until a guy just tells you yeah i feel like showing it versus telling it makes it more understandable why someone would want to give up their entire culture and identity to because of this incident if it was a little more prevalent in the movie yep but overall really great highly recommend this one it's a lot of fun yeah that was, but that wasn't me. Somebody is conducting experiments on us. All right, thank you for listening to our episode this week. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nerd and Normie and tune in every Monday for a new episode. And if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. And if you're listening on audio platform, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Thank, thank you. you.